Nuggets. I'm your host, Matt Moore. Thanks for joining me on this Tuesday edition. The NBA is here. As I speak to you, the NBA season has arrived. The Nuggets will begin play on Wednesday, obviously, versus the Sacramento Kings. On today's show, we'll talk about, yes, James Harden rumors uh, and what I think of them, etc., 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 as they relate to the Denver Nuggets. We will talk about what are the real goals for this season. Now that we've gotten through the preseason, what do we think are the goals for the Nuggets throughout the next 72 games beyond, you know, win as many games as possible? And the final segment, I'll do a quick look ahead to the Kings game in advance of probably a deeper preview with Adam on Wednesday's show. But first, I want to tell you about our title sponsor. This episode is brought to you today by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Let's talk James Harden, shall we? Okay, so Windhorse today, back up. Uh, On Monday morning, a a rumor started floating around that the Nuggets were in talks with the Rockets, and it was MPJ and Jamal. And of course, like some people in Nuggets Twitter freaked out because that sounds like a terrible idea. Um, From there, later in the day, Brian Windhorst reported that the Heat are out, but did list three teams that the Rockets have maintained conversations with, and the Nuggets were one of them. Uh, I am going to bet that that conversation came more from the Houston side than it did from the Denver side. Uh, I am skeptical that that report was sourced from Denver's side. That doesn't mean it's wrong. I'm sure that there was a call made. Here is my understanding of the situation. I'm hesitant on these things because deals of this nature are extremely, one, volatile, and two valuable. And what I mean by that is like, there's a reason that Woj gets them. If anybody's going to get them, it's going to be Woj. Woj has a very strong relationship with not only the Nuggets front office, but also with uh, the ownership group as well. So like, that's not a secret. That's I'm not divulging any sort of like backroom stuff. I'm not telling how the sausage gets made. Just if the Nuggets land James Harden, I'm expecting Adrian Wojnarowski to be the first to report it. My understanding with it with MPJ was I went through the rigmarole of trying to get a sense for how much he was valued in the offseason. And my sense was this. It would take an MVP caliber player for him to even be on the table. He was untouchable outside of an MVP caliber player. Now, James Harden won the MVP in 2017. He's been a top three finisher in each of the last five seasons. In each of the last five seasons, James Harden has finished in the top three for MVP. So he obviously qualifies. The key there, I think, though, is there has to be some level of fit. I will go ahead and say that there is no chance from where I'm at of it being Jamal and MPJ for Harden. That makes zero sense. It betrays everything that they've built. It betrays everything that Jamal Murray has shown them. He's younger. They've got him on a max deal. Uh, He doesn't cost as much as Harden does. He doesn't come with all of the things that Harden comes with. 
they've invested in the kid and he paid off. That really doesn't make any sense. Um, so I'll go ahead and throw that out. If you told me that tomorrow, when you're reading this today, or listening, it's been a long week. If you're telling me that Harden was traded for MPJ, Will Barton, or, you know, Gary Harris, MPJ, Bull Bull, two first rounders. I'm not over the moon stunned. I am surprised. It's a big deal. I am caught off guard uh, by the decision making, but the value return is such that it makes sense. A lot of this gets to if you go to ownership and you say, I have a deal on the table for James Harden, top three MVP, 30 point scorer a night, one of the best players in the league to join the team, and it's going to cost us our, you know, starting small forward slash sixth man, our starting two guard who is undersized, um, our bowl bowl, which I don't even know what his position is, and two first rounders. You know, ownership, I think, is unlikely to feel that that is bad return. Now, the economics of that in terms of the added salary stuff is something that also makes me kind of go, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know if if the Nuggets would want to. Like, the Rockets are going to want a clear salary. So the Nuggets are going to have to take, the Nuggets are likely going to have to take back more money than they've given out. And that's going to impact future seasons too, right? If we assume that Jokic and Murray are, are staying, that would be three max contracts on the same team. That leaves you with no flexibility. Now they've got, you know, Monte Morris and Faku Campazzo and um, Naji and Hartenstein and RJ Hampton and all of these other dudes, right? Like they've got guys that they can fill in. But it gets really difficult to build anything around your team if you make that kind of a move. So I find it very unlikely that they would do this deal. I just don't think so. Now, what I do think happened is, one, I think the Nuggets called because the Nuggets are chasing a title, and the Nuggets will make that call. The Nuggets always make the call. They always make the call. They've called. If you ask me about any superstar that was available, they called about Anthony Davis. They called about Kawhi Leonard. They called about Jimmy Butler. They called about Jimmy Butler. A lot of reservations from the front office. They made the call. Because they will always make that call. That's just due diligence. If you're not like, if you're not rebuilding, if you're not tanking, if you're not like definitely, if you have actual talent and you're looking to add that kind of a piece, you make the call. I find it a lot more likely that what is actually happening is that Denver called and inquired and then also said, look, if you're trying to negotiate a deal, but you're not finding the assets, please let us know and we can help facilitate a third team. There's a long-standing relationship between the Rockets front office and the Nuggets front office. They have done deals. They did one last year, right? Like there's a relationship in place. They have, a, they have even with Maury gone, Raphael Stone takes over. He's still part of that group. There's a relationship and a, and a familiarity there. There's not like a whole level of, an, of antipathy in that situation. Okay. So, 
Um, I think that it's likely that let's take the Nets because they've been the the one form most mentioned, right? Let's say the Rockets are like, look, we're willing to trade you. You know, we want Levert, we want Jared Allen, but you don't have the picks, or you don't have the assets, or whatever else. We want more. The Nuggets can enter that conversation and say, well, look, what if we give you Gary Harris and or Will Barton? And we'll take a player from that other team or another team. If it's a four team deal, we'll take those assets back and we'll send out a pick. Because if you can get a situational upgrade on the bench and solve your starting problem where you have six starters, that's a win. The problem is it's like that. That's very narrow. Like, think about it this. Let's say that the Nuggets called and said, look, we'll send Gary Harris to Houston because then we can put Will Barton at the two and MPJ at the three, and that solves our problem there. But we want good return for Gary Harris. We're giving up our starting two guard in a pick, right? If you get Spencer Dimwitty, is that enough? You already have Monte Morris, Faco Campasso, and PJ Dozier. Spencer Dinwiddie's probably, no, not probably. Spencer Dinwiddie's better than all three of those players, right? But then, like, what do you do with the right? Like, the problem is Denver's got too many good players. Now, in, in three months, we may not say that. We may be like, well, the Denver Nuggets really need an upgrade because nobody's having a good season and their team just isn't very good. That happens sometimes that the teams go from, like, really good to, wow, nobody's really good. This is why I'm always kind of hesitant to say a guy is bad. It's often either a bad season or a team that's having a bad year and everyone's struggling. But this is the kind of the problem is like, if you ship out Gary Harris and you add Spencer Dinwiddie, does Dinwiddie want to come off the bench? Like, everything continues to be very complicated. It's just complicated. And so I think it's more likely that 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 is what happened. Now, I have not checked in with the front office on this. Okay, when I got around to this, when I got through the rest of my day. Not something I was going to check in at this late. However, I do feel comfortable saying that I do not expect James Harden to be a Denver Nugget um, at least until the trade deadline. Like, I'm willing to say, like, anything can happen in a couple months. That's totally fine. However, however, um, I don't think that this deal is going to happen now. I don't see any reason the Rockets would do it. I don't see any reason the Nuggets would do it. I don't see any reason that, you know, there's obviously, like, there are scenarios, right? Like, if you can find a deal where you add, like, a young, really talented bench scorer at the three, so you can start MPJ and then have another one on the bench, that's pretty good. But, again, a lot of this is you still have to get a player back that constitutes an upgrade, at least in your team construct, better than Gary Harris who's a really good basketball player, or Will Barden if you send him out. And if you send MPJ out, you better get a stud. Like, they are, if they are trading MPJ, I'll tell you this, if they are trading MPJ, they are trading MPJ for a stud, for an A-quality player, for an all-star caliber player, for a fringe all-NBA caliber player. That's the only reason they would give him up. Because that's what MPJ can probably project to be as long as he stays healthy. So... I would not stress out too much about the Rockets' rumors. I would not stress out too much about the idea of James Harden joining this team. He does not fit the culture. I like James Harden quite a bit. I have written a lot on him in, in through the years. I like his game a lot. But look, James Harden is an NBA rock star. That's his lifestyle. This is not a rock star team. This team is built very specifically on the idea of 
guys that love the gym, that just want to come in and play basketball. Harden comes with a whole lot else. I would not be, I'm not ruling it out because this is the NBA. I am saying that from where I'm at, I would doubt a deal gets done. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about goals for the season, what the roster is currently constructed, and what players should be looking for, what we should be trying to find as benchmarks, thing like that. We'll do that when we come back on Locked On Nuggets. But first, got to tell you about our new sponsor, Bet Online. Are you guys enjoying the football? College football is heading into bowl season, and there are big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place you can trust. BetOnline.ag. Send a, sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. A lot of really good games on the slate this week, including my Kansas State Chiefs looking to lock up a number one seed versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Chiefs, I think, are 11.5 point favorites. You can tease that sucker down. Uh, you've also got... Uh, Obviously, the Broncos are still in action, even though, you know, last time it didn't go well. Divisional rival. Always want to bet the divisional rivals. And, and can you believe it? Can you actually believe it? The Broncos are dogs versus the Chargers after already beating them this season. The disrespect for your... Plus, the NBA is in full swing. Going to be able to bet on all those things. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. We'll be right back on Locked On. Welcome back to Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making this part of your day. Really appreciate you guys taking your time. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast across all platforms. If you have any apps that subscribe to podcasts, get us on all of them. It helps. Trust me. Um, real quick before we get started, the holidays are about giving, so I want to give you a hot tip that you can earn some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's talk about some goals for this season. Okay, so the season's going to kick off versus the Kings, long season. Goal number one, Jamal Murray needs to be an all-star. That needs to be the absolute number one in-season goal beyond making the playoffs, getting like a top four seed. The Nuggets need to put Jamal in a position to where he can accomplish that. Uh, so it's funny, last season he got hurt in, I want to say December, late December, uh, maybe early January. He was really mad because he was like wanted to make a push for all-star. That's a thing that's really he's become focused on. I think he's probably in position this year to do it. I'm expecting more shots for Jamal. I'm expecting it to come easier. Usually when guys have the kind of playoff performance like Jamal did, they have unlocked something. He can figure out how to get to his spots more. Now, maybe his shot's just not there. Malone today made specific mention of the fact that they are doing they were doing spectrum scoring, which is more points for threes and layups, fewer points for mid-range, right? Very Mori Ball dynamics, which not too many threes, want to attack the rim. But if Jamal's just shooting more threes, he's just going to be more efficient. He's going to have more space out there. There's no reason that he shouldn't have taken more. Now, if they drop in pick and roll coverage, he can go to that floater. He can go to that linear. He has a million shots in the mid-range area. Jamal is cleared to take. However, 
I do think the extra bump from just taking more threes period puts him in line to get a scoring percentage where he needs to be. The assist numbers last year were there. Like there's no reason that uh, you could say that he wasn't in position last year based off of his defense or the team success. Like all the pieces are there. He's just got to put up like a little, not, not dramatically, not, not dramatically at last season, 19, four and five. I think if he gets the numbers, if he gets the assist up to six, six is good. Seven's better, obviously. And if he gets the, like 22 and seven, he's an all-star. Russell Westbrook's out of the conference. Clay Thompson is injured. You have openings now to be able to, to create a spot. Um, I think Curry's going to make it and Dame's going to make it. I think those are your starting point guards, uh, starting guards in the Western Conference. I do think that they're, and Harden will probably likely be there too, but Harden may be in the East by then. There are all these opportunities, I think, for Jamal to go ahead and fit into that slot. But that really, honestly, you talk about, I know it sounds like a very selfish and pointless thing. Establishing two all-stars is key and it's good for, I think it's really key for Murray because if Murray has evolved to where he's an all-star, that means that he's no longer having those nights where he vanishes completely. And that's absolutely huge for the team. Second thing, might want to figure out the starting unit. That seems like it's going to be a thing. Look, we're going to be talking about this a lot. I don't know who's starting tomorrow. Malone hasn't told us. He's not going to tell us. If we ask him, here's what's crazy. It, on Wednesday, on the pregame, if I ask him, hey, who's starting tonight? He's still not going to tell us. He's going to say... You can check the sheet just like everybody else. I don't know why. It bugs me. It's bothered me forever. Not just him, but every coach. I don't understand it. It's not like the Kings are going to be like, oh no, Will Barton's starting. Change everything. Oh, MBJ's starting. Quick, guys, we've got to have an emergency film session. That's not happening. They don't care. Like, it's 72 games. Don't do this. But they got to figure this out by the end of the season. Um, look, if MPJ... A question that you should ask yourself as a Nuggets fan. Would you rather MPJ be a starter that's averaging 12 points a game or a bench guy averaging 19 to 20? Because that may be legitimately the thing. Watching the offense over and over, there's just not a lot of oxygen. There's just not. And what I mean by that is, like, there's space on the floor. But they have so many weapons, everybody's got to eat. And it's just... A lot of it is if, if teams have to choose, we saw this in those games, right? If teams have to choose between Millsap and Porter, they're not going to guard Millsap. But if you don't guard Millsap, he's going to score. So I don't know what, what's supposed to happen there. Like what you want is you want for Millsap to draw enough gravity for MPJ to score. Now, I personally think if you have Will Barton and MPJ in the starting unit, that'd work out pretty well. But I don't think, I just think the defense is still something that they're too scared to go in on. So. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. Obviously, they got to figure this out by the end of the season. Trade or, you know, God forbid an injury or just the acceptance that this is like what's working best. But, you know, look, I, I don't think Porter's going to get worse as the season goes on. That doesn't seem likely. This is going to continue to be a problem. It's one of the reasons why, honestly, moving Porter to the bench, like it's fine. Even though fans don't want it, it's fine. The team will be just as good, if not better. It's just, it's inevitable that you're going to have to deal with the fact that he's a starter in this league. He just is. He's too good. He's 6'10", and he's probably going to wind up being a 50-40-90 shooter. I don't know what you want to have happen here. So they're going to have to figure that out. Third thing. Uh, 
rest is going to have to be a bigger issue this season. I don't know if they're going to pay attention to it. I thought last year that he would pace them. He didn't. He pushed them hard. Like, Jokic played more minutes last year. If you can get back to 2017, there's a way that this works. If you can get back to, not 2017, if you can get back to 2018-19, where Jokic was playing 30 or less every night, that's huge. There's a way to do this, but there is a, a relationship to last year, and I do want to explain it. I talked about this on The Fan um, with Sean Drotar. If the Nuggets don't let teams hang around, if they're not down 15 to the Hawks in the third quarter and have to make a furious comeback at home before Trey Young goes off and they lose anyway, then Jokic doesn't have to play 38 minutes, 35 minutes. He can just play 30 minutes. The big key is when they face bad teams, they got to kill them. They got to just slaughter those teams. They have to absolutely beat down the bad teams. This has been the one thing the Nuggets haven't been able to figure out in their entire time, in this entire story of Michael Malone's career, they can compete with anybody. They get up for every single big-time game. I love the Nuggets on national TV. They're just, I love betting them. They're great in those spots. But you put them on a Tuesday versus the Cavs, and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton go supernova. Like, this can't happen. When the, when the Nuggets play the Cavs at home this season, they need to be up 30 and coasting. When the Cavs play the Kings on Wednesday, they need to absolutely demolish them. It needs to be garbage time for most of the fourth. Not because the Kings are terrible, but because the Nuggets are at a level where they should be able to just focus in, nail them in the first three quarters, and get out of there. They have not been able to do that. Now, last year there was a lot of wonkiness. In the beginning, the starters were awful the first two months, and the bench was helping them out, and then it flipped. They have better balance with the starting unit and bench unit now. They have better, they have the starting units in a great spot. Jokic looks focused and locked in, but they got to do this. In season rest is important. They got to find ways to rest in season so that they don't have a game where, man, Jokic is exhausted after the game on Wednesday and it affects him for two more games because that's where you wind up catching an injury. That's the other thing. And then I think the third thing is look, we can talk about MPJ all night and day. Right? Like, we know how important he is to this team. Uh, I do think, though, that we, I've talked a lot about the two Nuggets offenses, Jokic, Murray, pick and roll, and the Nuggets' entire offense. We've seen glimpses of both in the regular in the preseason. They need to find a way to synthesize the two. It needs to be Jokic, Murray, pick and roll as the starting block, and then everything else needs to feed off of that into a seamless transition of sequences of ball movement. But th- it cannot be Nuggets ball that ignores Murray and his role in the offense. And it cannot be just be Murray, Jokic, pick and roll like in the first round of the playoffs. It is a lot of time. There's got to be a balance there. Those are the biggest keys that I've got going into the season. Let us know about yours on Twitter at LockedOnNuggets. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to give you some thoughts on the Kings game. But before that, Built Bar. Even more deliciouser with 18 amazing flavors and six brand new ones. Caramel brownie, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and lemon almond cheesecake, which my wife loves. Salted caramel is one of the old favorites along with toffee almond. They are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They're great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Let's take the coconut almond bar. 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. 
Paul Segment here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making this part of your day. Matt Moore joining you. We'll be back with Adam Mara as a preview of the Kings game, but I do want to give you my first thoughts on this matchup. Um, first off, it's weird that this is that they got the Kings. That's just weird that the league was like, hey, you're going to play on Christmas in the show ten- in the showcase game. Um, before that, you're going to play the Kings. This team has been a thorn in Michael Malone's side. He wants to win this game every single time. He still takes it very personally that he got fired. He cares a lot about this game. There is a trap here on multiple levels. One, the Kings are not very good. I have them as the worst team in the Western Conference. Love De'Aaron Fox. Thinks he's great. Buddy Heald, I think, is going to be a great trade target for somebody. He does not seem to get along with Luke Walton. I think Luke Walton's a bad coach. Do not think that he's very good. Um, I think that's been pretty conclusively proven through his Lakers and Kings tenure. That... He's just not a very good coach, at least with this group. Maybe he just needs the right group. He was really good as an assistant in Golden State, so I don't know. The key, though, is like, look, this is a bad team with good talent at the guards, which can oftentimes give the Nuggets problems. Fox can break down the, you know, the blitz show defense pretty easily. Um, you do have Marvin Bagley that I think is a good matchup versus Paul Millsap. He should be able to take advantage of that and get some buckets. Um. They're preaching defense. They want to play defense. The Kings do. I don't know if they can versus this Nuggets offense. The bench is where you should really see separation. Um, but look, they've got guys that can match up. You know, Harrison Barnes is a capable NBA player. You know, Heald and Fox and all these guys. Definitely going to lose, but miss Bogdanovich. That's a problem. But they do have some young, really good guys. Um, Albert, another guy, I think really talented. We'll see what he can do. Don't love it in his first preseason or first regular season game here. Malone tends to bear down on these games because of his personal thing with the Kings that he's never gotten over. Um, he just he whenever he l- tends to blow blow his lid post game, it's often after a loss of the Kings. So that can cause an extra edge. The Nuggets don't respond well in those situations. They need to play loose, especially versus bad teams. They need to play loose. So if like Malone, I think needs to set a good tone here because you don't want to get off on a bad foot and that can sour things off the off the start. And then you immediately have to go into Friday's game versus the Clippers, which is a coin flip game. And you can start 0-2. It's rough. Uh, the Nuggets obviously take Kings teams like the Kings not very seriously. That's a problem. Like, they just don't take this team very seriously uh, throughout the, the time. This is the kind of team that they do not tend to be like, get up. They don't get up for these games, right? It's a non-nationally televised, not going to be mo- mostly locally tele- televised thanks to the Comcast altitude deal that continues to be a problem um but look you know if we go up and down this roster like Rashawn Holmes should theoretically give Jokic some problems because he's one of those long those super long dudes that can just jump at the rim but Jokic just figured out enough ways to counter him that I'm not as worried about it Fox is obviously really good uh a little bit worried about Glenn Robinson the third he's sneaky good gr is sneaky good um, Whiteside, another guy puts up numbers, but I just, I feel like Jokic has figured out most of these dudes, you know, like if he can figure out Gobert, he can figure out almost anybody. Um, Jabari Parker, another sneaky kind of weapon. They have some guys that can all have big games and that's like where the fluctuations of outcomes go in. Like if they just bomb from three, this can get pretty bad. This is going to be a tough first test for their three point defense. That's kind of the big thing that I would take away from, from looking at this matchup the Nuggets are going to have to figure out how to really clamp down on the perimeter in order to contain them. And that's, I think, a difficult task. Um, 
as you're just starting out in a regular season, short rest, lots of new guys, the bench unit may actually have some more problems than you think. Um, I can see the bench unit having some issues holding a league, but the third quarter, I think will probably determine this one. If the Nuggets just simply come out with focus and they're hitting shots, as long as they're not having a dry spell, I expect them to pull away in the third quarter and get the win. But this is a trap game. You got the Clippers on Friday. That's the big one you're looking at. This is a team that gives the, the type of team that you wind up screwing around with. This is a good first test. The Nuggets need to come out and be like, we're a class above. This is not a contest. We're going to win these games. We're going to win 80% of these types of games. They need to set that tone. They got an opportunity to do it. We'll talk more about the Kings tomorrow with Adam Mares, as well as updated news and notes from everything going on and with the Nuggets and around the NBA. Thanks for joining me so much on Locked on Nuggets. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know what you think on Twitter at Locked on Nuggets. And we'll talk to you guys again next time with another edition of the show with Adam Mares tomorrow on Locked on Nuggets.